Thanks for joining us this week on the show. I am thrilled to get to introduce you to Veronica Nabizadeh, a relationship expert, family law attorney, divorce mediator, and author of the upcoming book, How to Stay Married by a Divorce Attorney. You're going to love the depth and breadth of our conversation, whether you are a woman in relationship or hoping to design for yourself the perfect lasting relationship, or if you are men, this conversation dives deep into the power of authenticity and holding space for our own growth and healing so that the relationships that we are in can naturally thrive. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Living in a stressful world doesn't mean you have to give up on happiness. Instead, you can shift your perspective of stress and discover how to live your life in flow. Welcome to Happified. I'm your host, Susie Vine. Join me for inspiration and interviews with folks who are shining their light in the world in the areas of positive mindset, health, and wellness. I'm so happy to have you here. Welcome back. I am so happy to have you with me this week on the show for what I know is going to be such a rich and illuminating conversation with my guest, Veronica Navizadeh. Veronica was once a battle-weary wife who found her truth in the name of love and now inspires hope in other women whose husbands refuse to go to therapy, confirming that marriage is a spiritual practice. Her upcoming book, How to Stay Married by a Divorce Attorney, is a transformative guide for other battle-weary wives with children who are searching for love and clarity in their own marriages. As a relationship expert, attorney, and divorce mediator, she has empowered hundreds of women to find their truth in the name of love and move forward, either by revitalizing their marriages or divorcing with dignity and grace. As she prepares to celebrate her 24th wedding anniversary, she continues to share insights that have enriched her own marriage and have also brought peace and love to the lives of many. Veronica, thank you so much for bringing your wisdom to the show today. As I was just saying, this is a topic that we don't often dig into, but is so important for so many of us. I am so happy to be here, Susie. Thank you so much for inviting me. And I would love to start off with, I always love to get a a look at what has brought people to do what they're feeling passionate about, what they're doing right now, this mission that calls them forward. And so I'd love to just learn a little bit of your own experience, your journey in your marriage that brought you to this focus and the practice that you're sharing with women today. Oh God, that's a deep question to ask this morning. (laughs) Oh, I hope I do it justice because the most important thing for me is that your viewers can benefit from my truth that I share with them. So how did I get here? You know, folks, here it is. Uh, In your marriage, that's where rubber meets the road. You can't hide. Your stuff is all out there. And for me, I'm all about relationships and I married the man of my dreams. And I talk about it in my book, How to Stay Married by a Divorce Attorney. And it happened for me the night of our wedding uh, that is when everything just flipped and that is when i recognized the seed of codependency was planted and i didn't know that i was a codependent woman who like no one tell you know this is going to be your challenge this life so i didn't know what to name it but i did know that the love that i felt for my husband helped me come home to myself and i experienced joy 
that I had not experienced before marriage. So I didn't want to be a divorced woman and I loved my husband. So my reasons for doing my work had changed and evolved as I have changed and evolved. The reasons for staying was I didn't want anybody else to have my husband because I loved him so much. Like, no, I have to stay, I have to duke it out, I have to do whatever it takes. And I did that for a long time, a decade. And I found myself just figuring out like my limiting belief that was elusive to me. It wasn't like, am I good enough? Which I have a little bit of that too. It was more like, there's something wrong with me. What's wrong with me? So I spent the past 23 years in the personal development world. And I got to the point where I accumulated all this knowledge and I was helping other people, but my marriage was still floundering. And then I felt like the imposter, like I can help other people, but don't be a fly on the wall of my home because you will see that I lose my shorts a lot. <laughs> so I just kept at it. And then I found my truth in the name of love. And um, so I've been traveling this journey for a long time. And I don't know why I'm tearing up, but what I have discovered is everything that we hear from all those beautiful transformational leaders is true. It's not a platitude. You know, like we hear, just gonna love yourself, self-compassion. And you're like, whoa, WTF does that mean? I do love myself, I put makeup on, I put, you know, an eye mask on, isn't that self-love? You know, no, no, it's not. It's really about the journey back home to yourself. So I am an attorney who became a relationship and family expert and now a divorce mediator because, well, that's just my front, <laughs> front as that. Your access portal. Yeah. Come to me, I can help you with the relationships, but really I feel like I'm called to help people that are so lost and disconnected and in the dark through their journey of self-effulgence. And I did that for myself and I'm really proud of that. And so that's what I'm here to do on earth. And I'm standing here before you, Susie, to say, hello, here's my light of my business on. It's on if you need support, here it is. I'm here to help. First, I really want to, to, to honor what you're saying that so many people struggle with that very first aspect, not believing that we're worthy of being loved, not loving ourselves. And then all of these other coping mechanisms and behaviors are just trying to fill that cup that's leaking out the bottom, right? And then seeing how that shows up in relationships, you know, it's easy to see from the outside, but when you're in it and you're trying to make it work and you're trying not to have the relationship model that you might've grown up with, that never happens, right? And like you said, that's so beautiful. I don't want anyone else to have him. I have to make this work. And so it can be such a deep conflict and hard for people to really get that perspective to see what's the source of it. And so I think that's beautiful that the the door is open to, I can help you navigate where your relationship is going. Is it being repaired or is it time to resolve it? But really what it comes down to is understanding to begin with, what do you want? That shouldn't be such a hard question for so many of us, but I think it really can be. Oh God, so true. If we don't know what we want, if we can't see it, then how do we know that when we have it, that we have it and to celebrate it. And if we don't know what we want, we get easily stuck in this cycle of, like you used um, 
a coping mechanism. I, I use misery stabilizer. We get stuck in the misery, <laughs> using misery stabilizers. One of my mentors, Marcy Shymoff, wrote the book, Happiness for No Reason. And I could have easily wrote the book, How to Be Miserable for No Reason, you know? And so that's what happens if you don't know what you want and what it looks like, then you can totally bypass it and stay in that hamster wheel of using misery stabilizers to keep you miserable and never really finding your truth in, in the name of love. Okay, I really want to dig in on that because I think some people might be like, is she talking about me? But I'm not really sure. No, she's not talking about me. So how do we, what is a misery stabilizer that you might see somebody use? And how is that keeping them in that safety zone of not happy? Yeah, the misery stabilizers, I like the word misery stabilizers because you don't, it's even worse than, it's even lower than coping. Coping kind of keeps you kind of, you know, misery is, you're stabilizing the misery, but you're disconnected from yourself. Because every time you use something other than going inside, for me, I used food. I wish I could have used exercise as a misery stabilizer, but <laughs> I have plenty of clients who are, you know, at every high intensity interval training and their adrenals are maxed and they look older than they really should. And then they're Botoxing because they're trying to keep the facade. And so misery stabilizer really is anything that you use to manage your misery and it's never enough. You know, it's never enough. And so it could be eating, it could be Netflixing, it could be gossiping about your husband with your girlfriends having a glass of wine, it could be shopping. I, I had a client who got all of those credit card things and she amassed a credit card debt of $300,000, you know. So shopping as a misery stabilizer. And then the other things that we don't really like to talk about, like, porn or you know, sexual uh, addictions, those misery stabilizers, they do roll into addictions because they don't work. So it's like a hamster in a hamster wheel. So you just get stuck in, I need more, I need more to get that end phenomenon of I'm okay. And it doesn't come, it's elusive. Exactly, exactly. And we get further and further out of touch with ourselves with all of these habits, methods that we have of numbing out, of keeping the real issue at bay. Right. And then those limiting beliefs that we have, they seem really concrete. Maybe there is something wrong with me because those use of the misery stabilizers keeps us numb and dumb. Where we're actually, I'll just say ignorant because ignorant means you are ignoring the truth. So if you're using a form of misery stabilizer that makes you ignorant, and then if you're ignorant and you're raising kids and then you're raising ignorant kids, hello. And that's why I do the work I do today because I was that woman who unknowingly, didn't matter that I was a, an attorney married to a physician, I was unknowingly creating a toxic environment for my four-year-old. And if it wasn't for her, and that was my big wake-up call. First it was, I don't want anybody else to have my husband. I love him, he's so handsome. I feel so good when I'm with him. No, you can't have my husband, hello. It was my, <laughs> it was my daughter who was like, mommy, you and daddy argue every day. Can you make it stop? She was four when she told me that. And so that was a big wake up call to me. Here it looked like I had it all, I'm degreed. I live in a nice home and I have nice things, but I'm creating a really unsafe, toxic environment for my kid. And I just, I at that moment, that is when I dropped to my knees and surrendered that I needed help. And I couldn't DYI help anymore. I couldn't take mm -hmm. another course, read another book, attend another webinar or event, and uh, come home 
know, where the rubber meets the road, where you can't hide your stuff and bring forth into the world a child, a female child, no less, where we're, we're raising the feminine energy, balancing out the world. So I didn't want to do that to her. So that became my leverage point to surrender to getting help. That's so powerful. And I, and that's another thing that I come back to on the show is I think we are at a point, we're coming out of generations of lineages of life really is life or death struggle. And there are, <clears throat> to just borrow briefly, just to skim the surface, coping mechanisms that we've used to survive because we really have been living under threat. But I think now we have the opportunity to start resolving some of that generational trauma and patterns because although we are not free of it, it is not the life threat that our previous generations have carried. And so, so it is, I think, that wake-up call, that opportunity to see our children can have a different future. Even if where we are is better than where our parents were, they can have exponentially better if we're willing to sit down and do the work and not just keep phoning it in and say, that's just the way it is. And we're very busy, very stressed out people. This is just how grownups talk, right? That kind of response that maybe some of us heard <laughs> when we were little. No, that's not enough anymore. And so what a powerful moment. And I think we do need those kind of turning points. Yeah. Because otherwise, it's really easy to fall back into those patterns. So easy. So easy. And especially and like what you were saying, if you don't have the vision, you're just stuck in this like hamster wheel of just unknowingly coping with misery. And, and right. Because our birthright is to be living in love and open hearted and trusting in the universe and living a life of abundance. That's our birthright. And it's not a platitude, people. It's really, it's not. I've done the work. It's not easy, but you don't have to do it alone. You know, there are plenty of beautiful coaches and way showers and people who have done it. And that's what happened to me. So I did it. And then I knew I just wanted to help people. I wanted to help people who were unknowingly creating toxic environments for their kids, unknowingly operating from this code of there's something wrong with me. So I went to the best in my opinion and got not only support, but I also got the training so I could now that I am this self-effulgent person can now train people to, to access their codes that they came into this life. Like you were saying, the multi-generational trauma that just keeps the lineage keeps growing, unfortunately. So they can see their truth and they can stand in the face of that and say, nope, not for me. Thank you. And we heal. You know, we, a lot of the people that you and I probably study and work with, they say to us, um, we heal seven generations back and seven generations forward. And I was like, yeah, that's for me. That's for me. So there I am. And I am grateful that you heard that call, that you saw that opportunity and decided to stake a claim. And so, you know, in, in talking about that, you know, that resolve that comes from finding the point, not always of our own making, right? Somebody, and I'm sure in your work in family law, not every woman who came into your office was the one who said, this isn't for me anymore. Sometimes she felt subject to the choice of her spouse. Um, well, how do you see that kind of resolve or where do people start to move beyond that initial shock and come into cultivating resilience? I think it's such an important practice to 
to find some resilience to move through the stress that life serves up. And so obviously in marriages, there's lots of incidents and stress and that sort of thing. So how do you find people call on or cultivate resilience so they can move forward? Oh, that's such a good question. And resilience can be taught. That's the beauty. And a lot of my people come to me singly, not as a couple. I tend to attract people that are battle-weary wives that have children and they're married to husbands that don't think that there's a we in the problem and divorce is not an option. So those are those people come to me, so they come to me like, can you help me? Can you help me be a better mom? Because what they're, you know, what keeps them up at night is, holy crap, I'm role modeling for my kids how to be a doormat or how to be a people pleaser. And that really is scary because I want so much more from my kid. So they come to me in desperation. And so I love those kinds of people because then they're willing and there is a great need for change. There have been some grandiose women that have come to me and I can't help them because they know it all, right? And I, on the one hand, I celebrate as a former people pleaser. I was endowed with the disease to please, you know, as a former person that lent herself to that. I admire these fierce women who think they know it all. And I just say, well, if you are winning and you feel safe and secure, don't change. If you don't want to be with your husband, you don't want me as an attorney. Actually, I had a case where I had a grandiose woman and she fired me. I was co-counsel with another friend of mine, uh, also the family attorney. And she thought we were just not pit bull enough because she was just, you know, wanted to go for the jugular. And she fired us because we were too nice. And we were asking her the really important questions like, you have four kids. Like, what do you, what's the legacy you want to leave behind? What's the relationship that, you know, what? I want you to take his money. I want to keep my kids from seeing him. He's a bad father. I want to call child protective services. And it was just like, oh God. And when she fired us, I was like, thank you, God. You know, that saying, rejection is God's protection. And by the way, she fired us three years ago, and she's still in a legal battle and has spent hundreds of thousands of dollars. And so that's not my person. Oh, my and gosh. She, I can't imagine being tied up with someone yeah, in that so for that long. They're legally divorced, but their case was bifurcated. That means we will agree to divorce you so you can go on to marry the next person. But your assets and all those other things that were commingled, that is still not dissolved. And so she's still kind of married to her tormentor and and no growth. And her children have been in the umbrella of that turbulence and friction. She was a zero in the need for change. You know, there's a need for change, like no need for change to I must have change. And she was pretty much on the zero scale. So resilience cannot be taught to people who know it all, because if you know it all, you're not open to receiving. Resilience is for people who are at that point where I need help, whatever I'm doing, whatever I'm reading, whatever girlfriend I'm talking to, that's not making me better. I'm not at the next level. I'm playing it small. I'm arguing in front of my kids. I can't keep my mouth shut. I'm exhausted and I need a change. And so that person can go from zero to Shiro. The sky is the limit, you know? (laughs) 
And I think that's really interesting what you're saying there where it, it's a niche perhaps, but I would feel like that could be in many relationships where <laughs> there's no we in this problem, as you put it. I think that's, I think everybody can relate to that at some point in a relationship and divorce isn't an option. And there's a point at which a woman in that position well, I feel like through the work that you do, through the insights that you help them discover, there's a natural change, whether or not their spouse feels like they need to change, they ultimately can't help but not because there's so much change in the person that you're working with as they make these discoveries and gain convictions where they used to not be able to stand so strong. Yes, absolutely. And, and when women come to me, they become empowered to, to stand in their soft power that we get to claim as the divine feminine, you know? And they go to their resistant husbands and, and the resistant husbands, they, they see they're changed. They're no longer reacting. They have stopped contributing to whatever was outflowed to them. So there's that. And then there's the second level that happens where they go, well, what if I push Let's see, I'm going to just push the envelope. I'm going to bull bait her and see if I can unrattle her, you know, because they're still stuck in that pattern of one-upping. Like I was in a one-upping war. And so when I was getting my support and expanding who I am and unshedding and surrendering those parts of me that didn't support me, my husband did not trust that. And it took a while, but there was a point where I didn't need him to trust it. I didn't need that acknowledgement or validation. I just knew that... I'm an attuned mom and I get to be the spiritual leader of my family and I get to set the culture and the tone and I get to stay in my beautiful, in my inner ecosystem is warm and safe and cozy and it doesn't matter what's happening on the outside. And so when I am now bringing to the table a whole being who is present, that is very special. Spacious. And I feel like that spaciousness does very well for couples. And at some point they come in as a couple and that's the beauty. And then that's where they, the rubber meets the road and it becomes a, gradually it becomes a nice place to be. I think that's really extraordinary. I think to a point, I'm sure on the surface, the gateway, I'm in this situation I never thought I would be in, or perhaps I've been putting it off for years, pretending that our marriage is fine. And here's this woman with the the resume. The CV looks good. She can help me get through this. But suddenly they've stepped into this whole opportunity of self-discovery. And I love how, as you said, you know, the woman can be the spiritual center in the relationship and create that space where there is room for everyone to be the person that they are, right? Because I don't feel like unless we get pushed to the place where you're the example that you shared, you know, just out to hurt as much as it has been hurt. And it's all in the name of revenge, but instead changing the tables and changing the direction of a family to say, no, you have every right to claim this space, to declare how you want to be treated in the relationship and to define what this relationship feels like moving forward is just a total pivot. I'm sure that process has been really beautiful to watch. Oh my God, it is so beautiful. And my husband doesn't have to be a certain way for me to be happy. And so that's the thing about codependency. 
narcissism, grandiosity, and maybe love dependence or love addicts, you know, they are in a codependent relationship. So it doesn't mean the wife or the code. It's not just the, it's the whole union. And so we are in a center of health. We don't have to be perfect. That is not what our job is to be here. We get to experience everything that unfolds for us. But the space for him to be himself and know that he is loved is very healing. And know the, the adaptations that we learned to protect ourselves early on when we were maybe three or four or five and couldn't have a voice or didn't have the body size, um, those adaptations start to relax. And in some cases, you know, I mean, that is my experience. There might be some learned professional that would say that somebody who is love avoidant can never change. I feel that's not true. I feel that when the energy of wholeness is brought into the union of marriage, that eco, it, makes, it chokes me up that the, oh, I don't even know the word, that spaciousness helps people return back to themselves and no longer have to armor up mm. or use these manipulations because they're at peace. And it's their job if they want to continue expanding and evolving or not. It's not my job, but if you want to, I'm here to help. Do you know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. It's not, you're only here on your path. You haven't fully graduated. Just finding that space yeah. again is such a gift. Yeah, husband, you can go and race cars and you can go play golf on the weekends. If that's what brings you joy, by all means, go for it. I don't need you home shuffling the yard work or blah, blah, blah. You know what? If that's what you want to do, let's come up with a... I like to have a pretty lawn and you like to go golf. So, you know, if you don't want to take over that, let's go ahead and hire someone. I mean, there's ways to mitigate and negotiate things. And I think that when a person is at home with themselves, they can negotiate. I have a need to have a home with a pretty lawn and you have a need to play golf on your weekend. What can we do to satisfy both? Because I want you to have your playtime and I want to have my pretty house. And it can be done. It can be negotiated. You know, and then if it cannot be, if it cannot be, you know what? I used to work at Citibank when I was 19 years old and I worked at the call center. I had this umbilical cord tied to my ear. <laughs> had to get a permission to leave my desk so I could go to the bathroom. I got 2.2 minutes to race back and put it on. But Citibank taught me something that I think I've carried with um, throughout my journey. And that was a term they called deposit coverage. And that meant that they had this algorithm that said, okay, you client, if you have been able to maintain your monthly balance for X amount of cycles, billing cycles, and if you have never overdrafted a check and you've been with us a certain number of years, we will extend you deposit coverage. That means if you inadvertently write a check that will overdraft your account, we trust you. We are going to cover it for you. We won't even give you a penalty fee, but we'll tell you, hey, you need to put some money in the account. And so I take that. I still use that with my couples. It's like, what, what are the assets? Can we celebrate the assets? Are they more than the liabilities? And what about the liabilities that get you going? Can you take just a little bit of responsibility for it? 
Let's go a little bit deeper. Let's look at that liability that rubs you the wrong way. Let's look at that as a mirror of something that you need to look at inside. Do you know what I mean? So it's always a yes. negotiation and a willingness. Really, truly. And I haven't done relationship work per se, but in one of the iterations of work that I've done, I worked with older couples who were downsizing and moving out of their family homes. And so I really saw a lot of that. They won't give rid of anything. It's always somebody else, right? And so that self-examination, what am I holding on to? What am I not willing to release? Is It can be difficult, especially when there's stress going on, right? The last thing we want to do is sit still and get real with what's going on, but that authenticity. And again, if you are working in a relationship to give each other the space, then it doesn't feel as dangerous to be authentic. But there is some safety required, at least within ourselves, right? At least to go back to the topic of the conversation, to love ourselves enough and to know that we're worthy of saying, I need a minute because there's something here and I'm not afraid to take a closer look and just point the finger at the other person. (laughs) Yeah, all parts are welcome. Like really, he wants to bring his extra collection of toy cars or whatever he's a grown man but he wants to keep his little slot cars okay is there a place that we can put that in that means so much to him no there's not a place there's no physical place where we can put them okay honey can we reevaluate this in this new unit of time and support support that journey inward and i feel like that is done through practice and seeing your marriage as a sacred act and i didn't start out my goal was not I'm going to look at my marriage as a sacred practice. Hello. No, it wasn't that. It was like, what is wrong with me? I got to find out what's wrong with me so my husband won't leave me or some other more beautiful woman won't take him away from me. So that was the first, you know, the first level. And so I, I've done all the levels. And now I feel, oh my gosh, like in my marriage, I if you were a fly on the wall or if you had a video camera on the wall, you would see a normal family navigating life. A teenager who wants to not practice her volleyball, but then feels crushed when her serves hit the net and we meet her where she's at. We don't say, we told you so. You know, we're like, gosh, we understand that feels like crap. What do you want to do about it? We allow the space and see if there's willingness and everybody is safe to be their imperfect, beautiful selves. And I'll just tell this one quick story. We were at this volleyball tournament, and I think my husband would not mind if I share this. Maybe. We'll see. My, my husband is a man in sports. They get really into it. And sometimes it escapes him that it's only eighth grade volleyball. There's a lot on the yeah. table. <laughs> Do a die moment. And we're like in the bleachers with all the other parents. And so these other little girls are missing the ball. And then they laugh, and they all high-five each other. And he's like, this is not a blah, blah, blah. I'm like, this is not accept. This is, this is a game here. Come on, people, level up. And I, and I see him and I'm like, oh God, I don't need to change my husband. My inner ecosystem's fine. I'm not thinking, oh my God, the people are going to, oh, I'm so embarrassed. I don't even go that route. I just know he's having a moment where he's so passionate about his seeing these people play. So I whisper to him, honey, no, I don't think they're going to improve the way you want them to. Do you really want this moment to be about (laughs) that? Like, where do you want your daughter to see you on the bleachers being really angry and making faces? Or would you rather just go home, beat the traffic and start the rice? And he goes, 
yeah, I'm going to go home. I said, that's a great idea. He goes home and starts the rice and he gets to collect himself. I didn't make him wrong. I didn't feel like I didn't, I didn't need to access my ego to support my husband who was having a moment. It was just like, do you really want this to be what you want to create in this moment for yourself and for your daughter? Is that important to you? No, I have something that it, the rice just needs to be turned on. And if you go home and beat the traffic, we can come home and do a home cooked meal. And he left and it was good. And so it's just that all parts are welcome. No one has to change, but we can help each other to yeah. access a, a higher level within themselves if they want to. And, and I think when one person lends their spaciousness and, and couples work, that's what I do with battling couples. I lend my prefrontal cortex of safety and that safety net gives them the opportunity to be vulnerable and to speak up. And, and I think that's when the yes. magic happens, but you can start learning to do that on your own when you get help. And, and that's beautiful. It's those space holders, right? Until we have the tools to do that on our own. Yes. It's such an enormous help yeah. to have somebody just be calm center. Yeah while we're finding out what that means, what that looks like as we're coming into who we are and finding our truth. And I would love to explore that a little bit, how people can, with that authenticity, with finding their truth, how can that help people move along to have more positive mindset or expectations in their relationship? I, I, I want to say that I also get to lose my shorts just as long as it's not at the same time as my husband. So that's really key. So at that moment when I was in the volleyball tournament, I could have been like, oh my God, he's embarrassing me. He's going to embarrass my daughter and he's going to be terrible. And I could have ranted. I could have left. I could have huffed and puffed. But I knew that one of us had to stay resourced and access to our resources and that worked. And, and when we came home, everything was made and everything was served and we had a great meal. So you said the word expectation. And I feel like I need mm. people to drop expectations and just come from a place of openness, openness. And when you feel that dig or that rub or that disturbance in the force, then you just, um, well, I'm talking from a high level place, but because I remember when I would lose my shorts, but it's a gradient and we up level or expand a little by little by little. So it, it takes time. And then when you get support, then you don't get stuck in those moments. Then before if some couples come into me and they would say, we haven't talked in three weeks or some, what's the long you've stopped talking to each other three months. So they were stuck oh, for three months. How often that happens? Oh gosh, two or three times a year. Whew. Wow. Okay. So those things, like, can you imagine how to maintain not talking to somebody means you have to keep your anger around you and keep your decision to be this way all that time. So all your precious life force energy and attention is just embroiled and being stuck. And, and so I think just to, to educate people, it, there is so much more peace and access to your innate amazingness and magnificence when you're willing to be supported. I think that's really powerful in that recognition, again, that we don't always have to be at our best, especially in a relationship where there's space, you know, someone can see 
it looks like you could use a little bit of this right now. You could use a little time. You could use a little, right? Distance. Go ahead and take that as opposed to snap out of it. What's wrong with you, right? Because then we develop that trust in each other too, that when we need to ask for some grace, that's fair. We give it, we receive it. You know, there's more of that flow that actually keeps a relationship growing together as opposed to apart. And I love what you said. I think when we're in it, we don't recognize it. But looking from the outside in at a relationship where it, how much energy does it take to keep that anger, that frustration, that I'm not talking to you, even if you don't remember what started this all or who started it. You know, I love that you reflected that back to me because to say yes to the embroilment or to the argument and you saying yes to, I'm so right about how I feel about this. I'm willing to stay angry and keep my distance for X amount. So that must mean that you're saying no to opportunities. You're saying no to beautiful experiences. You're, you know what I mean? Like when people get the big picture, Terry Real, who is my mentor, he has the five losing strategies. I have that taken his on as my own and I've expanded them into the seven relationship saboteurs. And those are just, they are what they are. They sabotage your relationship. And one of them is being right. I feel very right that I was being wronged by you and I'm gonna hold on to that conviction because if I don't, you're gonna do it again. And so you, they just stay stuck. And you know, it is true. It is so true that we create our own reality. And I was, looking at my journal from years ago and I was seeing what was in my world and I was like oh my god I was so choosing to see all the bad and I was asking to not see the bad and be the bad and be swimming in the bad and I had no idea that I just put all my attention units on darkness versus what's possible how can I what blessing am I going to receive when I overcome this what lesson am I going to embody that I can inur to my child, the resilience that she, that I now have access to, that I can, just by the virtue of her being my daughter, that she gets because I'm role modeling it. You know, my understanding is that children are 50% their own people and 50% what has been role modeled to them. And that's why self-reflection and self-inquiry is so important because then you can let go of that multi-generational trauma that gets infused to us. You can let it go. That doesn't serve me. I know my parents came from a different country and they lost all their money and money is scarce, but I don't have to live that truth. You know, my truth is that I believe in myself and I live a passionate life that's purposeful and there's no lack. So that self-reflection and self-inquiry is very important. And we have blind spots, which is why I think that why my recommendation is you don't have to do it alone. I had a client, a lovely, beautiful lady. She did not want to pay for my coaching services. And I went, I understand it's, you, there's a lot at stake here. You don't know if you're going to get anything in return. And you don't know if you're able to change because everything that you're, you're, the evidence around your life is telling you that you haven't changed. So I get it. And then she went out and bought a pair of uh, $2,500 glasses. And, <laughs> but at least she can wear them every day. So she has a product. Uh, now she since then has become my client and she is soaring high. And she remembers that day, you know, how, how gentle, because I'm not in the convincing business you must be willing to invest in yourself. 
you are the president of your own country. That's not me, that's Don Miguel. And there are plenty of way showers there that have been there, done that, and have garnered the tools to share them with you so that you can be the president of your own country be, because it's there for you if you need it. But it's not as easy as putting a credit card and buying a pair of beautiful designer glasses. That's easy, that's not sustainable. Just because it's not a clear transaction doesn't mean that you, that clear transaction. But, yeah. So if you were looking yeah. and if you were looking at a fly on the wall or a videotaping that conversation between me and my husband at the game, you would go, what's the big deal? Like she just told him, hey, and then he went away. And, but the big deal is, God, if I hadn't done that, he could have embarrassed my child. He could have embarrassed himself. She could have maybe not have forgiven him. She could have maybe stopped playing volleyball altogether and not trusted her dad to ever come to a school event. Do you know, like that is the magnitude. And, and it's not, that's something that we cannot articulate because I can't tell you your future. I can't tell you what your truth is. I can way show you back to your truth because you know what it is once you stop looking at all the other darkness and you move into the light. And that is a process. It's a pathway from here to there. There's little bitty micro steps and you keep being unstuck. And then you have you have your, yourself, the reality that you've created for yourself. And that's what all the people are saying. And it's all true. And I came to the point one day in my life that, oh my God, it's not a platitude. This They know it and they're teaching it. And, and I'm going to know it too. And I do know it. There's a point, you know, anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> we could go on. This is, I knew this would be a terrific conversation. I'm so grateful that we were connected by our mutual dear friend, Monifa, who's been on the show a couple oh, of times. She always knows who to match me up with. But I want to make sure people know how to find you. And you have a really, really generous gift that you're making available to listeners too of the show. Complimentary access to Stop, Drop and Roll Baby, a boot camp. So please give us a little information. I will have links in the show notes, but just in case people are listening, they can head over to your website to learn oh more. Oh my gosh. Stop, <laughs> drop, roll. You know that the firefighters teach us elementary kids to to prevent themselves from get, being injured when there's a fire to drop, stop what you're doing, like literally stop what you're doing and then drop to the floor and roll yourself in a rug or blanket so you deprive the fire of oxygen. That works when couples are on fire too. And so I have a, I have created the stop, drop, roll a baby, like stop, drop, roll baby, that's what you gotta do to help couples, especially battle-weary wives, um, who are married to the husbands that there's no we in the problem solving and they have kids. So it's really uh, that it's really for everyone, but that I'm talking to the Veronica circa 23 years ago to give them the, the to share with them the tools so they can embody what I did for myself. And it helps them stop contributing to the arguing. It helps them to drop into themselves and roll into wholeness. And this whole methodology is taught and embodied and I limited it to only 30 people because I really wanna make intimate groups. And so I wanna say it's complimentary. And I thought, God, I, I know if I say it's free, people won't value it. And I thought, you know what? If I had been given this opportunity 23 years ago, I would have, I would have had 23 years of luxury and of love and i'm making it available and i know that when people who are like me 
when there's self-worth that's lacking and self-trust that's lacking and they are afraid to ask for money from their husbands to do something that they are maybe afraid that they will not be able to deliver the results. There's a lot of pressure. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this completely for free. So I'm talking to you, whoever's listening or watching me. If you are wanting a lifesaver, then I urge you to click on the link and schedule to be a part of this Stop, Drop, Roll Baby Bootcamp. And that is going to, I'm going to have that program on October 28th. And then it's only three hours on that Saturday. So noon Eastern time. So that way, anybody in the continental US or 10, if you're in the central. And, and then it goes the following, which is November 4th. And then and it ends on November 11th. And that happens right before the holidays. So you are, have access to these tools that you can apply because you know that in your family, that's where rubber meets the road. That's where you can't hide. You can't hide. You can't fake it. You can go outside and put on some cute little earrings and some makeup and, you know, your cute little clothes. You can pretend your life is is good. I That's inauthentic and that's hard to do. And But in, at home, none of that matters. And that's where I want to help you. I want to help you in your home and to reconnect you with your truth. And it's Stop, Drop, Roll, Baby Boot Camp. And I, I hope that the your viewers who are listening sign up. It's a really, it's beyond generous, the gift. And I know exactly that dance that we do, right? I want everybody to have it. I want people to value it. I don't want there to be any excuse. No excuses. <laughs> <laughs> they might not think things need to change, but not one more Thanksgiving table where everybody's like choking down the turkey or whatever's on the table. Not one more holiday season where you're decorating and keeping up appearances and struggling. So a real beautiful and very generous opportunity to check in and reconnect with what you need and what you want things to look like moving forward. I, it's a beautiful gift. And so we'll have the link for that. And Veronica's website is relationshiprestart.net. So you can learn more about what she has available and services there as well. And I, one more question that I wanted to ask you too, um, something that you shared and that we didn't get a chance to explore yet. So if you can briefly share, what are some strategies that you have in your incredibly busy lives? You you and your working husband for maintaining a healthy lifestyle as a couple, especially when life is going every different direction. You've got a busy and engaged teenager as well. Oh, that can be a sticky point. I'm working on that. Food was a misery stabilizer for me and working out was something that I thought I never had time for. And my husband used to be an avid tennis player. What we do to support each other is we have an executive meeting every Sunday. I, I have to commit to a Pilates class because if I'm not committed to something outside of me, I will get, I'm in a delicious ivory tower of creation with my blogging and with my couples and with my wives, or even if I'm consciously divorcing conscious couples, it's so easy to go, I don't, I can work out later or I'll just, I'll walk the dogs and I'll be, that'll be my cardio. So I have to physically pay to go somewhere. And I tell my husband, I signed up for Pilates and I cannot miss it or else they charge me. So can you be home? What's your schedule like? So we do a lot of uh, scheduling and we have a time where we have an executive meeting where we talk about 
our relationship with money, our relationship with our health, our relationship with each other. And that is hard to do um, because that doesn't seem fun. We'd rather watch a movie together and have some popcorn than to be strategizing about our life. And if you're married to someone like my husband who hates to plan. So it took us a while for us to agree to this meeting. And I did that because of Tony Robbins. Tony Robbins is the one I learned that from. Like you have to have an executive meeting. And so that's what we do. So just supporting our schedules and supporting our lives and role modeling it for one another. So if I keep up what I'm doing, my husband's like, oh, she's doing that. I got to do it too. And then we also use Clara as a leverage, you know, like we don't want to role model for her what couch potatoes are. Like we want to role model her what it is to be a leader. Oh, and I don't want to pass on to her emotional eating. So it's like the onus is on us to talk and plan and strategize and support. Does that help? Absolutely. I think that's beautiful. Self-first scheduling is one of the things that I really encourage people to do. And it's not just putting your exercise on the calendar. Hopefully you won't overwrite it, but committing to that conversation too, so you can help each yeah. other and know whatever system of accountability is going to work, whether it's I've already paid for it, so I had better go, or he's got a tennis partner, that's a match, teaching. somebody's waiting oh, for him. Yeah. So that's his that's right. time. And you commit yourself yeah. and you're accountable. And that's what they teach us as coaches. We need to be accountable whenever we want to make change. That's just the business of it. You want to make change? First, you need to want to make change and then you need to be accountable. All the little smart, specific and measurable and actionable and result oriented and timely. All of that is really true. It's really true, people. It really is true. <laughs> <laughs> and we are always learning it always, along with you. Always, enough lay layers of it, yes. And we and perfection is the enemy of progress. So I'm married to an Enneagram type one and he's a perfectionist. And it's and for me, I have a perfectionist side of me that it's all or nothing. So it's like knowing that we have these things and how can we support each other for the life that we want to co-create. And it's always a conversation. Right. That's not perfect. <laughs> An imperfect <laughs> conversation about how to help each other. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you for sharing your breadth of experience, your authenticity, and just sharing your light. I love being connected now and moving the work forward in the world. And I'm excited to share this with our audience. Thank you so much for making time to join me oh, today. It's a great privilege for me to sit here with you, Susie. I am so grateful and thank you. And I hope your viewers really enjoyed the show. And I just am grateful for the aha moment that you had during COVID that gave you this platform to share how to be less stressful in your lives. And that is key. It's all about that. So I just thank you for the work that you're doing and the light that you're shining so bright and for the invitation to be on your show to talk about me. Thank you. It has been my pleasure. Thanks so much. Take good right. care. Thanks for joining us today. To learn more about living life with less stress and more flow, visit happifiedlife.com. Subscribe on your favorite player to catch the next episode as soon as it's out. Sharing really is caring, so please rate and review the show while you're there. And if you know someone else who would love it, please pass it along. Until next time, my friends, keep on shining.